We look at the British Grand Prix this week on Inside Motorsport. I hope you'll stay with us. Lachlan Mansell joins us on the line. And Lachlan, amazing British Grand Prix held in front of 140,000 screaming English fans. They got the result they wanted, but it was an interesting way to get there. Thanks for joining us, Lockie. Hi, Craig. Yeah, thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, you're not wrong. Um, first and foremost, though, it was really good to get spectators back at the Formula One over in the UK. It's an enormous population of Formula One fans. Obviously, with the COVID vaccine rollouts in the UK, they've been able to start to open up their society again and spectators to attend sporting events. So it was good to see all of the F1 fans out in force. But I think probably one of the, the interesting things from the weekend is it was the first time that the new qualifying format where there's now a sprint race on the Saturday was employed. So there was a qualifying session in which Lewis Hamilton was the fastest driver, but then in the sprint race, Max Verstappen got the jump and he ended up winning that sprint race. So that gave him pole position for the Grand Prix. And uh, there's been a few mixed opinions on whether or not that qualifying sprint race works and whether or not it's a good thing. I think um, at this stage, the jury's still out. But what I will say is that the sprint race was not, unentertaining there were certainly some points of interest to come out of the race I think the driver um, certainly to, uh, to fall foul of the, the Joe Perez who spun out and ended up falling to last and therefore had to start the Grand Prix at the back of the grid Yes, and it's a race that you're not allowed to call a race too, isn't it? They they gave a laurel to the winner, but uh, yes, there were some funny, uh, funny rules, funny um, explanations going on in commentary about well, it's qualifying, it's not a race. Yeah, and the other thing as well is in the qualifying session, the the driver who was fastest in that session, you couldn't say that they had pole because pole was the um, accolade bestowed on the driver who won the sprint race. So, yeah, a few confusing terminology bits and pieces for everybody to get their heads around. But in the end, we had our grid set, and it was the two championship combatants, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, on the front row. And it all uh, unfolded, didn't it, on the opening lap of the Grand Prix with them coming to blows, Max Verstappen getting fired hard into the fence, Hamilton getting penalised um, subsequently, 10 seconds, but then charging his way back to the front, overtaking Charles Leclerc with a couple of laps to go and taking the race victory. It was interesting on many levels, the race, and what I found interesting, and listeners to Inside Supercars can follow up this line of questioning and that was we speak with Steve Chopping who is a former Formula One steward and he was able to talk us through the stewarding process and we heard during the telecast radio communications from Red Bull and Mercedes talking to Australian Michael Massey the race director and trying to say, you know, we've got this and we're very un- unhappy about that. And in fact, Michael Massey has absolutely nothing to do with the stewards' decisions. He's the race director. But 
I guess they were hoping he might have been a conduit for them to go into the uh, steward's room. And and uh, it's interesting, particularly because in uh, soccer, football as the world knows it, they've actually started bringing in rules about players crowding around the referee trying to influence his decision through in important moments of the game. It was a, an interesting moment, and one of the things that I most enjoyed on Sunday night or the early hours of Monday morning, as it was by then, after the Staffen had crashed and the race had been red-flagged, all of us fans watching at home on the couch, we got unprecedented access to see actually what goes on in terms of the communication between the teams and the race director, Michael Massey, who, of course, is an Australian who's had a lot of experience here in Australia with the supercars as well. But you had both Christian Horner from Red Bull and Toto Wolf from Mercedes both getting on the phone, as it were, to Michael Massey and putting in their two cents worth to, to try and put their case forward. But like you say, Craig, it's not up to the race director to hand down the penalties. It's up to the, the Formula One stewards panel, which um, I can't actually remember off the top of my head all of the members. I know that Emmanuele Piro was one of the race stewards for the British Grand Prix, but ultimately it is up to the stewards panel to make the determination as to what sort of penalty gets handed down. Now, my humble opinion is that Hamilton was at fault for that incident, so I think the stewards made the right decision, and quite frankly, I think that he got off pretty lightly. I think that um, a 10-second penalty, given the, the consequences of what happened with his main championship rival getting taken out of the race altogether, um, was, um, yeah, a, a pretty lenient penalty Um considering the, like I say, considering the consequences. Mm. Yeah, and uh, that is one of the things that Stephen Chopping's able to clear up. Consequence isn't part of the stewards' decisions. And so I recommend everyone go to sportradio.com.au and have a listen to that interview because it, it gets you inside that stewards' room, which uh, I think if you're, a, if you're a Formula One fan or a motorsport fan, you might yeah, get a bit of an insight out of it. I thought it was a racing accident for my two cents worth. Uh, both drivers could have avoided the situation. I think the penalty is the penalty. Um, I think the red flag was thrown because of the incident, and that's that's as much the reason why I think uh, Hamilton should have got a penalty because he caused the red flag or he was part of the cause of the red flag, and that stopping a race should have some think uh, mm. something to it not necessarily action because I think they both could have avoided it um, interestingly enough um, Martin Brundle who of course is on the uh, commentary and a, a very experienced racer in his own right has um, said in his Sky Sports column that there is data that Red Bull have that they think is the smoking gun uh, that indicates that Lewis has uh, is is the person to blame? It's um, it's certainly divided the fans. Would be a, a nice way to say it, Lachlan. Yeah, well, it's created polarising opinions. That's for sure. But unfortunately, off the back of the incident and then the the penalty and 
and I suppose the fallout afterwards, we did see the worst side of social media, um, and unfortunately it, it found its way into the realm of racial abuse, which is unacceptable at all times, but particularly unacceptable to be going on public forums and, and making those sorts of comments. So regardless of whether or not you think it was Hamilton's fault or regardless of whether or not you thought the penalty fit the crime, um, a lot of the comments that were made were, were completely unacceptable, um, shouldn't be tolerated. And um, kudos, I think, to um, obviously Mercedes, but also to Red Bull for, for putting out statements and, and criticising the people who were making those comments because, um, like I say, it was an, an absolute demonstration of the worst side of social media. Mm. And for Australian interest, Daniel Ricciardo finishing... Right behind, if you look at the uh, results anyway, his teammate in fifth position. And uh, McLaren is saying that they're happy with Ricardo's move forward right at what I think is safe to say the halfway point of the season. Yeah, it was a better performance from Ricardo. He was only a tiny fraction behind Lando Norris in qualifying and finished one spot behind him in the race. The the strategy didn't quite work for, for Dan. He got caught up behind Pierre Gasly for part of the race, which compromised his charge to some extent, but um, definitely a top five finish compared to, to some of the results that he's had in recent Grand Prix you would definitely have to say as an improvement whether or not he can continue that momentum and, and continue to finish consistently in the top five and maybe start finishing ahead of Lando Norris in some of the upcoming races remains to be seen. But it is a sign that finally he's starting to get his head around how to extract the best from that McLaren. Mm. And what this incident has done has got people talking Formula One again. And Hungary in a few weeks' time is probably going to be a, a TV ratings bonanza. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Hungary. Um, we, we've seen some really good races at Hungary in the past, and that's despite the fact that it's a very hard track to overtake on there. There are no particularly long straights. Um, even the main pit straight is not overly long, so being able to set up for an overtaking manoeuvre with the DRS is not that easy. And then, then the rest of the circuit is a sequence of corners where um, one flows into the next one and there's not a lot of big braking zones or spots where you can overtake. So, um, you know, like I say, there's been some very good races at Hungary. There's also been some quite processional races at Hungary. Hopefully in a couple of weeks' time we've seen the former rather than the latter. Indeed. And Lachlan, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you on Inside Motorsport. Awesome, Craig. Thank you for having me. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Motorsport. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.